One of the first words that kids typically learn is the word no. And we hear it all the time. No, no, no. As hard as it is, it's actually a good thing. They're learning self-differentiation. They're learning boundaries. What's mine, what is not, what I have control over, what I can say no to. But it gets tiring as a parent. And so we are so excited when they learn a few other words. Few things melted my heart more than hearing my daughter learn the words, thank you. Oh, I just loved it. And she definitely gets that from her mother. But I, I, however, as kids learn these words, they have to begin to learn to use them in the appropriate places. And a couple of weeks ago, Catherine was in the nursery and she walked up to another kid. She grabbed a toy out of their hands and just said, thank you. Close. Progress even, but not quite. Honestly, this is probably close to how each of us feel in our own hearts. We just want to go up and take something from somebody else and say, thank you, with a smile on our face. Kids are like a mirror to our own hearts. We laugh because we think the same thing, but we're just better to learn how to hide it. But the truth is, we all struggle with wanting what other people have. We have this desire inside of us to just want more and more and more. And this is why social media can be so dangerous for our hearts, because we inherently want what other people have, and we always see them at their best. Sometimes it's not even real. But here I am, sitting on the toilet, because it's the only place in the house where I can get five minutes of peace and quiet, and Derek is on another vacation? What, is this his second one this year? I want that. We all struggle with wanting what other people have. It's really, really hard. Furthermore, we struggle to share the things that we do have. And I, I know this feeling. I, I feel like I'm struggling to pay the bills, to have enough. Please don't ask me to share what I have. I mean, honestly, how many times have I walked out of the grocery store, out of the opposite door, because I see somebody on my way in and I don't want them to ask me to help save the whales? I mean, I love the whales. I'm just trying to get home for dinner before Catherine has another meltdown. Please don't see me. Please don't ask. And then as I duck and I slide into my car, then the guilt begins to set in. Uh, I ducked away again. And there it is. I'm stuck with this sense of not having enough and then struggling with guilt over sharing what I have. It's all of these feelings that, that, that build up inside of me and all I feel is this lack, that there's never enough and I feel guilty. But you see, gratitude and generosity don't come easy. This stuff is hard. And I may have to, to, to learn, to, I've, I've learned to play along and I may say, wow, I'm so glad you got that new Tesla. Or I'm so glad that you bought low, you sold high and you got a brand new house. And I may even comment nice things on my friend's new Instagram page about a steak. But the reality is secretly inside, I feel sad when I look down and I see my leftovers for lunch, wishing that I had what they had. But here we remember here we remember and we see scripture where Jesus says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I go, how do I do that? And I remember that this is truly a learned behavior. All of us struggle with this. We are all in this together. And so the thing is, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat myself up. This isn't a new struggle. 
This has been going on since the beginning of time. And so this morning, we're going to dig into this question of what does generosity look like and what does it mean to give and, 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 and answer some of these questions. And so we look back at the beginning in Genesis, and God makes a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. We love this part. And then he keeps going and he says, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Wait, what? God's going to use me to bless other people? I think that's a good thing. What does that mean? You see, the promise of Abraham is that we are blessed to be a blessing. So let's follow that for just a second. What happens to Abram next? You see, then he goes to Egypt. And is he a blessing to the people of Egypt? Nope. He lies and says that his wife is his sister because he's afraid. And it almost cost him his relationship with his wife. And it almost cost Pharaoh his life. You see, before we're even out of Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is already off track. Talk about immediately. This is the story of humanity. We, me, you, I, all of us, we get off track because fear, doubt, brokenness, struggle, all of this begins to seep in and we all have doubt. Doubt, it's something that we all struggle with. And it starts off slowly and it starts off with what we have isn't enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough. And then it seeps a little bit deeper. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, and it begins to affect who I am and, and shame begins to move a little bit closer. And then it seeps down to the deepest level of we begin to doubt that ultimately God isn't enough or God won't provide. We might be tempted to think that this this is an isolated case with Abraham but we see it in ourselves and we see it all throughout scripture. And that once, maybe we think that once the people of God get to see God in the flesh right in front of them, that they won't struggle with this. That'll be the end of doubt forever. But it's not true. Doubt is ubiquitous. That means that it touches everything, Old Testament, New Testament. That even the disciples struggled with this when Jesus was right in front of them. And so this morning, We're going to turn to Luke chapter 9, and this is going to be our text for this morning, where Jesus brings this idea of giving right in front of the disciples. He brings it right to the forefront. And so the context for this morning, for Luke chapter 9, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus has just sent the 12 disciples out, and he has given them all power and authority to drive out demons, to heal the sick, to, to, to preach the kingdom of God. And He says to them, take nothing with you, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Jesus is saying, leave everything behind. It will all be taken care of. Just trust my provision. And God did it. And and they came back with amazing stories. And this was fresh in their memory of God's provision. And then we come to this morning's amazing story. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. 
Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place. But he replied to them, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fishes, unless we go and buy food for all of the crowd. About 5,000 men were there, not counting women and children. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketful of broken pieces that were left over. Now, there's a couple of things that I want us to see here this morning. And the first is that the timing never seems right. In verse 10, maybe they were tired and they had just returned from ministry and they were just hoping to withdraw and to get some rest and to tell stories with Jesus. We don't know all of the reasons, but I'm sure that there were some legitimate reasons as to why they didn't want to do this. But all of us know that feeling when you already have too much on your plate and your coworker comes to you asking for more. Or maybe it's whenever a crisis comes at just the exact worst moment and you're just exhausted and you can't think of one more thing to do. And it's just these exact moments are when crisis happens or when need arises. And how do we respond? You see, this is the exact moment that the disciples see the need. And so how do they respond? They respond in verse 12. They say, send them away. Let them fend for themselves. They aren't our responsibility. Let it be somebody else's problem. I've got enough problems of my own, and so we just kind of want to hunker down and send everybody else away. But how does Jesus respond? In verse 13, he says, you give them something to eat. He's saying to them, take care of them. He sees their need, and he says, you are your brother's keeper. You see, Jesus is all about people. He sees them and he cares and, and he, he wants to use this moment because he cares about people. What's more, he also cares about his disciples. And so he wants to use this as a teaching moment because he cares about how his disciples are. He cares about their hearts. He cares about how they see the world. He cares about how they see hurting people in need. And ultimately, he cares about how they see God and his provision. And so what did the disciples respond they say, but we don't have enough. We only have five loaves and two fishes. And then they're reminded, and this little bit of money. And the question is here is, were they willing to share? And we kind of get from the story that they were reluctant at best. But what does Jesus do? He takes it. And the first thing that he does is he blesses it. He takes an opportunity to give thanks. And this is what Mike talked about two weeks ago, where God blesses the ordinary in life. And, and God uses it. Jesus uses the ordinary and he makes it sacred. And then what does he do? He breaks it. And this is what Pastor Mike talked about last week. 
where he talks about God using brokenness. You see, bread that is not broken cannot be shared. And Jesus loves this idea. He loves to use our brokenness, our lack, our little to show off his glory. Time and time and time again, Jesus does this all throughout scripture so that he can remind us that there is no doubt that he is at work in our world and in our lives. And then third, the third thing I want us to see, and this is where Jesus turns it all on its head. I love this. Pastor Glenn Packiam unpacks this in his book, Blessed, Broken, Given. And he says this, Jesus should have just given it to the people. But that's not what he does. Instead, he gives it to the disciples and tells them to give it out. You see, he includes the disciples because God loves to include us. He sees us and he sees and knows our lack and then he wants to use us anyway because we are all part of a much bigger plan to bless the whole world. And God wants to include us. Jesus could have just handed it out himself and said, see what I can do? But he wants to use us as a conduit of his grace. You know, this is kind of like whenever I was a little kid and I would go to a birthday party and I would bring a cake and I'd be like, I brought the cake. Yeah, right. My mom made that cake. All I did was carry it in the car, in from the car. But nevertheless, it's still so much fun to be a part of the blessing. How fun is it to spend someone else's money? I mean, just ask the government. I mean, that's so funny, but yet here, here it is in a true sense. How much better is that this is essentially what God is asking us to do, to pass on the blessing. You see, this is, this is the story for each one of us. We get to be a part of God's blessing in the world. Let me tell you a story that I heard a couple of years ago about a man from India. It's a parable, but let me just share this. It's about a water bearer who is carrying two large pots and they hung on a pole across his shoulders. And one of the pots had a crack in it while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water to the end of the walk from the stream back to the master's house. But the crack pot would always arrive only half full. And for a full two years, this went on daily, with the water bearer only delivering one and a half pots of water to his master's house. Now, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, perfect for the end for which it had been made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was only able to accomplish half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer. One day when they were by this stream, it said, I am ashamed of myself. I want to apologize to you. Why? asked the water bearer. What are you ashamed of? I have been able for these past two years to deliver only half of my load because of my crack in my side has caused me to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you have had to do all of this work and you don't get a full value for your effort, the pot said. The water, be- pot, or the water bearer felt sorry for the old cracked pot. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, 
I want you to take notice of the beautiful flowers along the path. Indeed, as they went up the hill, the old cracked pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path. They smelled wonderful, and it cheered him up a little bit. But as, um, as, as they got closer to the end of the trail, he still felt terrible. He felt bad because he had leaked out half of his load again. And so again, it apologized to the water bearer for its failure. And the bear said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the pot side that was perfect? That's because I have always known about your flaw and I took advantage of it. I planted flowers, seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we were walking back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being exactly the way that you are, he wouldn't have had this beautiful flowers to grace his house. You see, each of us has our own unique flaws. We're all cracked pots. But if we will allow, the Lord will use our flaws to grace his father's table. In God's great economy, nothing goes to waste. So as we seek ways to minister together, and as God calls you to tasks he has appointed for you, don't be afraid of your flaws. Acknowledge them and allow him to take advantage of them. And you too can be the cause of beauty all along God's pathway. Go out boldly, knowing that in your weakness that we will find his strength and that in him every one of God's promises are yes and amen. I love this story because it reminds me that God can use me even in the midst of my lack. There are so many beautiful things all throughout Scripture where we see over and over again where God can, can use us for his glory. You see, there's so much going on here and, and all throughout scripture, God chooses to use us, blessed, broken, and given. We all have fears about not having enough and not being enough, and we all have our doubts about God. But if we just bring them to him, God can use it. You see, God can use five loaves and two fishes, then he can use us. He can use me. He can use you. And he isn't asking for more than we have, just what we have. You see, this isn't about guilt. It's about grace. And it's about mutuality. It's about all of us just coming together with what we have. In this passage, we see that there was enough for everyone. But you don't understand, you may say. Ryan, you don't get it. What about all the times where I simply don't have enough? I feel broken. I feel weak. I feel like I just don't have enough. But Luke chapter 9, verse 17 reminds us that this is the whole point of there was enough for everyone with enough left over because everyone includes you and me. The idea of giving includes the idea that we are also sometimes open to receiving. And this is a reciprocal relationship because sometimes we are the disciples who get to give. And sometimes 
We are the people in need who have a chance to receive. But either way, in God's kingdom, there is always enough with more left over. That's the story for each and every one of us. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and I heard this story. It was, it just happened a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was talking to somebody about giving and, and hearing stories and they told me this story about God was beginning to open them up to the idea of blessing and, and they began to say, God, how can I be a blessing to other people? And they were just asking this question. And a few hours later, they pulled into a gas station and they were pumping their gas and they noticed somebody else pull in. And God began to speak to them. I want you to walk over to that person, ask them how they're doing, and I want you to fill up their tank with gas. They were thinking, I don't know. That's a little bit bold. I mean, I feel a little weird inside, you know, just going up and offering this. And... But they responded and they went forward and they did it. And they felt great and they walked away and they said, I got to be a part of blessing someone else. Here it was, someone else in need. And they came back and they told me this story about how they got to be a part of a blessing. What a cool story. What's funny is a couple days later, someone else came up to me and was telling me a story. They said, you know, I've been praying. I've been praying to God and I've been struggling. And I've been asking God this question, God, do you see me? Do you see my struggles? I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to provide. I'm struggling with so much in my life. And, and, and what's more, I'm beginning to ask the question of, God, do you even see the struggles that have going on in my life? And I've been praying this prayer and I've been honest with God. And later that day, I pulled into a gas station with only a few dollars in my pocket just enough to get a couple of gallons. And then as I pulled in, someone walked up to me and said, can I buy you a full tank of gas? I was stunned. Who does that in normal times, let alone when gas is this expensive? This was more than about gas. This was God connecting two stories. One who had the privilege of giving and one who was asking questions of God saying, God, do you even see me? And this was God connecting two people in beautiful, just in God's economy saying, I see you both. One of you gets the privilege of giving and one of you gets the privilege of receiving. And God is saying to both of you, I see you. What's amazing about this is the key here is not in the details of the who, the what, the how, the when, the why. The key here is in the attitude. And it's in the desire to keep our eyes open to how God might use the ordinary and to make it sacred. God uses bread and fishes and gasoline, the ordinary things of life. God chooses to make them sacred by connecting them to God's bigger story and how he is at work in our world. Blessed, broken, and given. And so this morning, I want to challenge each and every one of us. How can our stories be a part of what we've been digging into these last couple of weeks? And this isn't about guilt. Sometimes when I hear pastors preach and, and think about this story about giving, we often are left with this guilt. And, and, and this isn't about that because this it, so often 
I don't feel like I have a lot. It's not enough. But the question is more, let what you have be what you give. How can what I have be transformed? It's not about guilt. It's about grace where we get to participate in, in what we have. And, and so you may be thinking, I don't have a lot. I, I, I'm so busy with work. Let's think about that. How can I be transformed at work to be a representative of God in the midst of working with my coworkers? How can I use that? How can what I have be what I give? Blessed, broken, and given. But I'm exhausted and, and I'm at home with my kids all of the time. I don't, I, what do I do with that? How can I be transformed in my interactions with my kids to be a representative of God? Blessed, broken, and given. Our families, our kids need a representative of God right here and right there. And, and this is our opportunity to be, to, to take what we have right in front of us and to allow it to be used by God's grace. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm retired and I'm on a fixed income and all I have is time. How can my time be transformed to be a representative of God right where I am? I know some of these things take creativity, but all of us can be used by God if we would just allow God to bless, use our brokenness, and allow our lives to be given for Him. My challenge to us today is to let the ordinary things of life be blessed and transformed into the sacred in the hands of God. This is our challenge. This is our opportunity. This isn't about trying to be something that we are not but about using what we have for God's glory. Let the brokenness of my mistakes and my lack be transformed into something beautiful and sacred in the hands of God like that cracked pot. We are all jars of clay that God gets to use for His glory. And so just as God gave His one and only Son so that we could be transformed, in the same way, our lives are blessed to be a blessing. Just like Abraham, this is the call of all of Scripture to God using us to be transformed in our brokenness so that we can be used by God to make a difference in our world. Our world is broken in and in need of God. And this is our opportunity to say, God, would you use what I have, whatever it is, for your glory. That's my challenge to each and every one of you today. Let's receive from God. And maybe you're saying this morning, I need to receive some of the goodness of God and then let God begin to use that blessing in our life to use it for his glory. Let's open ourselves up. As we come before God in prayer today, I invite you just to open your hands to just as, a, as an act of surrender to say, God, this is my life, all of it the brokenness, the hurt, the lack, the little, the guilt, the everything. I just want to give it to you, God, so that you can use it for your glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of being here. We thank you for the privilege of this story. We thank you for the privilege of, of, of this challenge and, and seeing the honestness in Scripture where the disciples struggled with what they had, and yet you used them anyway 
to bless and to multiply it for this, to feed 5,000 men, women, and children, and so much more with more left over. God, would you use our little to multiply it for your kingdom? And so God, whatever it is this morning that we come with, maybe where we feel like we're not enough, maybe we feel like we're a broken pot, would you multiply it for your kingdom, allowing it to be beautiful in your hands? Here we are, God, blessed, broken, and given. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in each one of our lives. We thank you for the work that you are doing. May this week, may we go transformed using what we have for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as you go this week, may you know that Christ's face is shining upon you, sending you forth as representatives of his kingdom. No, we are not perfect, but God wants to use you just as you are in the places as that you are, transforming the, sac- the ordinary things of this life for sacred moments for his kingdom. May you be blessed this week. Go in peace.